1: How's it going, Habs fans? Back again for another episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. This is episode 28 of the Eric Desjardins episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. And <laughs> I'm pleased to be joined by the Eric Desjardins to my Nathan Beaulieu, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick?
2: I'm doing great. You know it's also a great number, 28? Uh, Pierre LaRouche. Uh, one of one of a handful um, of 50 goal scores for uh, the Montreal Canadiens, early 80s kind of uh, guy. Um, yeah, liked him. But I, yeah. I, you know, and and I know I'm going to hear from uh, <laughs> former former Rocket Sports staff staff members Kathy and EP always used to bug me uh, because of my uh, uh, fondness for uh, Eunice Natanen, Eunice Natanen, who also oh. played, uh, who also wore number 28. Um, and he was, you know, he had good size, uh, third round pick for the Canadians. Uh, uh, he skated well. He was smart, kind of a defensive a guy. A guy you yeah. slot into your third or fourth line center kind of thing. Uh, but he ended up uh, playing in the Finnish Elite league. I think he's in, I think he's in the KHL right now. But Eunice Natanen, <laughs> uh, yeah, look up his name.
1: I remember being very excited for Natnan. I remember that there was. I I, I can't remember. I'm not. I can't remember off the top of my head when around this this point was. Was it like 2010 ish, around there that he was. Uh might have even been
2: a little later than that. 2013, yeah, okay. 14, something like that.
1: My goodness, I didn't think it was that late. But yeah, anyways, I remember yeah, maybe, being well, on that trip. Well, train. he was
2: his <laughs> his draft was his draft year was 2009.
1: So yeah, yeah oh, okay, uh, yeah.
2: Fall- and then he played for the Bulldogs for a bit Hamilton Bulldogs and then
1: yeah, and then he ultimately yeah as number 28 played a played a handful and I remember being on the Jonas Nat, the uh, Jonas Natinen train at, at one point so <laughs> I, I, I I agree with you on that. Carl Dykehouse also in the running. Uh, oh nice <laughs> So Daniel Zubra how about that? Oh, there you go. So uh, last week we played uh, played a fun game called Where in the World is Rick Stevens this week? He's not in a phone booth, but uh, but you are you are heading out to see the uh, NCAA tournament wrap up. Is that correct? Am I correct in saying well, that? Well,
2: yeah, it's it's the uh, the pre, uh, precursor to the the NCAA Frozen Four championships. It's the uh, yeah the regional semifinals, and I'm I'm taking on taking in uh, the Midwestern Regional f- uh, Finals in Alltown. And um interesting result last night, uh Saint Cloud who uh, now this, this happened in Fargo, North Dakota, but uh Saint Cloud, who's uh been ranked number one all season, and of course Ryan Paling, uh prospect, mm-hmm. uh Ryan Paling playing a big role in that. They were upset. That was a huge upset by uh oh, AFC, wow. uh American International College, uh their first tournament, their first big win. And uh, they beat Saint Cloud two to one last night. So uh, all kinds of speculation about Ryan Paling. Does that mean, you know, he's free now to uh, to come and and, and, uh, and he was dealing with an injury too, but so he may need some time for that. Yeah. But, or, or or is Ryan Paling the guy who wants to now go back for another year uh, with Saint Cloud and win a a championship uh, with his, his you know he's on a line last night with his, uh, with his two brothers. Um, so lots of, lots of fun in, <laughs> in uh, NCAA. Brett Sp- uh, Stapley with Denver, and, and they beat Ohio State, and, and Caden Primo with Northeastern. So lots of yeah. Canadians' prospects involved in uh, the um, Frozen Four semifinals.
1: And after the Canadians week, I think everyone started to just kind of shift their focus a little bit more to the Canadians prospects because the playoff chances, they are, uh, they're are—they're not exactly uh, where they were. We'll get to a week recap for the Canadians because, yeah, a lot of the hopes of the Montreal Canadians fans have kind of shifted from, ah, you know, we might make the playoffs to So let's just dive in. They have a uh, a 7-4 win over Buffalo. That was a wild one last Saturday night. They follow that up with a a 2-1 loss at the hands of Carolina. Carolina with 20 high-danger scoring opportunities and 91 shot attempts uh, towards Carey Price, who was phenomenal. Uh, 6-1 win over Florida. That was a nice bounce back. Tomas Tatar picking up three points. uh, An unfortunate event that took place, which we will discuss later on this show. And then they, uh, <laughs> 6 2 uh, loss at the Columbus Blue Jackets, where, uh, they, they kind of laid an egg. And that has led to some lineup changes for tonight's game, hasn't it, Rick?
2: Indeed, it has. And, um, <laughs> we, we kind of got a bit of foreshadowing. You know, when the Canadians want to leak something, uh, it's either Rena Lavoie or Eric Ingalls, uh, that they go mm. to. And yesterday, <laughs> Eric Ingalls, uh, wrote that, uh, Kakenyemi's uh, uh, place uh, in the lineup for the Winnipeg game, which is tonight, um, not secure. And uh, this morning, not too long ago, we found out that uh, Kakenyemi will be a healthy scratch tonight, um, which means uh, Pekka will, uh, will slot into uh, the lineup. Um, and we got a bit of foreshadowing uh, for that, uh, too, yesterday. Uh, in practice we saw that Kakanyemi was taken off the uh power play um, in practice uh, when they practice in Winnipeg and uh, replaced by um uh Philip Deneau, uh, which is interesting because I know there's lots been made of of Kakanyemi not having yet scored on the road, which is true. Uh in a you know uh, relatively small sample size, but not too much uh discussion about Philip Deneau, who uh in 264 well, let me see i would estimate 264 career nhl <laughs> games has a whopping total of 0 goals on the power play um but yet <laughs> but yet he's in and uh Duran who's been the subject of of uh, much discussion on social media and otherwise um He's uh, he's certainly in the lineup, and and Claude Julien was asked about that. And of course, he said, "Well, of course, uh, Durant can be a game breaker, game breaker, heartbreaker, yeah. love maker. <laughs> Don't you mess around with me? You know that that Claude Julien <laughs> kind of old school Pat Benatar there." Um, yeah, it, the 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 line from Eric Ingalls, the kid was frazzled. Um, was kind of the the foreshadowing talking about Kakinami, and it's that's unfortunate. Um, you know, they've they've talked about Kakinami being being a little bit tired. Uh, I'm not sure that's the case, um, but but you and I have talked about that uh, about yeah. his uh, his energy level.
1: Yeah, and look, my issue was is this. You know, Yasperi Kakanyemi may well be tired. You know what? It, it might happen. He's an 18 year old. As Claude Julian pointed out before he got scratched against the San Jose Sharks, he's played more hockey than anybody on the Canadiens this season. Um, going back to the rookie tournament, all of that, they were trying to evaluate him in preseason. He's played a lot of hockey games. My issue is that there would be times in, in the course of this season where the Montreal Canadiens could have managed that. And it's, it's, you know, you look at games, like remember when they played New Jersey after the trade deadline and then they played uh, Detroit the next night, they won those games. Well, they lost the first one to New Jersey, but they won over Detroit eight to one. Those are two games where if you look at the record, then you can kind of say, you know what, maybe we can rest. this very cut Kniemy. He might need this later on. He might need this rest later on this season. When we go up against some bigger teams, some, some uh, more important games, where he can actually gain something and learn from those experiences. They didn't do that. And now you have him sitting out against San Jose and now Winnipeg tonight. Is that what we're doing? Is that how he's going to learn by watching from the press box? While, his, by, while Matthew Pekka goes in after being a healthy scratch in, what, 13 straight games or something like that? This, to me, they completely... Uh, they, they fumbled this from, from basically the entire season. This was something that they should have been looking out for.
2: And you know, we talked about it in in October that uh, we were kind of leaning, or at least I was. I won't speak for you. I was leaning uh, to have him return to to Finland and and um, have a you know a, a strong year there um and and my reasoning was that uh as a young player he's never played um you know in in such a long nhl season uh and i was told then uh you know don't worry uh all the quotes were that he's a young guy he's got lots of energy um and and to be honest you know it's worked out it it is is worked out uh, except now, why are they using energy as, as an excuse? I, I haven't seen a lack of energy. Uh, uh, kokanyemi has been asked directly. Um, are you tired? He said no. Um, yeah. And what we have seen, however, after he got sat out back to back games, is his confidence has been lacking. Uh, and we know Claude Julian is his expert at stripping confidence from from players. <laughs> Uh, particularly the younger players uh, and yeah. it seems to be the the case uh, again now um, you know uh, Claude Julian mentioned he pointed out uh, uh, the play uh, in Columbus um, where Kukinemi, uh fumbled the the pass from um, Victor Mata that that uh, resulted in a goal now let's put at least at least half the blame on on Victor on that it wasn't a great pass yeah uh, and Victor Meta had a tough, tough game against uh, Columbus. Uh, so to, to, to pick on the 18-year-old, I, I don't know. And, and you know, let's say, let's say a miracle happens and the Canadians make the playoffs. And, and you mentioned um, the, the chances. They're not uh, – the, the Canadians' chances of making the playoffs are 26.4% as estimated by Sports Club Stats not the lowest they've been a couple of weeks ago after the Chicago game, it was 18.8. So, uh, but the, on the opposite end of Carolina's chances of making the playoffs, 89% Columbus's chances of making the playoffs around 85%. So they're in tough. And, yeah. you know, after, after the game against uh, Columbus, I said, they're going to have to run the table and, um, and, and, you know, hope for some help and, and Claude Gillian seemed to repeat uh, yesterday after practice in Winnipeg. Um, but, uh, you know, what's going to happen if they do make the playoffs? The point I was trying to make the, if they do make the playoffs, what's going to happen to Kalkiniemi in the playoffs? Um, and we remember, yes, uh, Matthew Peck is coming in for Kalkiniemi, but also uh, and you said after a long absence, uh Delorier, uh was in last game uh for Paul Byron after sitting out for fifteen games. Uh yeah. and didn't look he didn't look uh, terrible, but he didn't he, he didn't really he was kind of invisible. He didn't really uh uh offer anything other than understand <laughs> when he tried to gope Fellino into a fight and and Fulino just kinda of laughed at him. But um yeah uh the the point is uh, Kokenyemi I think um you 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 made the decision to keep him here you you and I, and I think um um t- taking these opportunities away from him is as you said um a lost opportunity to learn
1: yeah and that's that's the thing here is, is it's you know the Montreal Canadians yes now you're in the playoff race but you can't switch course it's been about developing it's been about these guys getting experience as you mentioned uh, was it a great game for uh, Victor Meta Cut Kanyemi had his struggles uh, i mean Columbus really just turned it up on on the Canadians and and physically imposed their will against them so that was not a a good game but but the Canadians they they can't switch course here who's who's been the people who have been the players that have gotten you here and Cut Kanyemi Is one of the guys that has been a a really nice surprise this season. So to, you know, not give him these opportunities against really tough teams, that's going to strip away at his confidence, as you say. Um, So with all of that said, I suppose it's about that time that we go for some winners and losers.
0: Absolutely. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. Can, All I, right. can I so do there's...
2: a tease before we get we get to winners and losers? Um, sure thing. <laughs> and that is just teasing. You, you know, in the second segment, we always like to bring a big topic to to yeah. to talk about. And our big topic um, this this week um, comes with uh, uh, big time rocket sports contributors. <laughs> We're going to expand <laughs> this. Actually, I'm going to step away and 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 head out to do the Frozen Four coverage. And and in. Uh, we're going to get Blaine Potvan from the Habs Unfiltered podcast. We're going to get Chris G., who um, helps us uh, week to week uh, on this show and, and, and uh, certainly is helping out with with our um, uh, AHL.report coverage, the Laval Rocket. Uh, he's going to join in. We're going to talk, the, the, the group and with yourself, going to talk about fighting, lots of talk about fighting, uh, the code, uh, revenge fights, uh, having to fight after, uh, you know, a clean check, all those kind of issues uh, uh, is going to be talked about in, um, in the second segment. So be sure to tune into that. And, um, you know, you might want to chime in, uh, and reach us, uh, make your thoughts known, uh, on, on social media, uh, or by texting us at five, eight, five, three rocket. Um, yeah. And without further ado, winners and losers.
1: Yeah, so you kind of mentioned a part that's going to play into my winner of this week, which is Tomas Tatar. And that, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the Paul Byron, Mackenzie Wieger. Uh, we're going to talk about that with Blaine and Chris, and we're going to get their thoughts on that. Um, I'm not going to give my thoughts right now, but what I will say is this. Um, after that fight, early on in that game, and seeing Paul Byron struggle off the ice the way that he did, that really sucked the energy out of the Bell Center, and you could feel it. It was, it was just demoralizing, and it just felt like the Montreal Canadiens, after that 2-1 to loss to the Carolina Hurricanes, it just felt like maybe this was a game that the Canadians were going to lose because they, they just they weren't, you know, uh, they could never really think of, of playing a hockey game after seeing. I mean, it's a tough thing to watch your teammate go through that and, uh, and certainly for the Montreal Canadiens, I, I didn't think that they were going to be able to, uh, to muster enough energy, really. In, in the early going, it did look like the Montreal Canadiens were the ones that were playing a little bit better. But at the same time, that's a tough thing to watch happen. And the Montreal Canadiens needed someone to deliver and needed someone to step up. And that guy was Tomas Tatar. picked up three points, and it was a 6-1 win. So ultimately, you know, the the Byron play didn't negatively, you know, affect the way the Montreal Canadiens played. Obviously, it would affect what would happen later on with, uh, with you know, his status still not uh, really being, you know, uh, clear going forward for the remaining four games. Certainly not tonight, and and we'll we'll have to wait and see. But I wouldn't imagine that it will be, you know, uh, very quick back in the lineup for Paul Byron. But. The Canadians needed someone to provide energy. They needed someone to uh, to really get the Canadi- get the Bell Center back on track, and, and Tomas Tatar was that guy. Off a really nice pass from Andrew Shaw, but Tatar was the guy that made the shot. And this season, that guy has been huge. I talked about Kaniemi being a guy that got the Montreal Canadiens here. My goodness, if you could if you could go back in time, and uh, after that Max Pacioretty trade. And the Montreal Canadiens fans, they, they were usually they were pretty amped anyways because they were getting Nick Suzuki. But, but Tatar was the guy that was, you know, just to make the money work and just kind of get everything in order, he was the guy that, that Vegas wanted coming back. You know, you, you want Suzuki, you have to take Tatar and his contract. And Montreal did that. And my goodness, has he ever been good. And, and we've talked about this, you know. We talked about this uh, uh, earlier on this season. I remember there was a show. Where, where we kind of discussed how Tomas Tatar got to this point after struggling in Vegas he's really found his game in Montreal and you know it's to the point now where where would they be without Tomas Tatar
2: oh indeed um, and I think last uh, it was last week um, we were talking about or a couple of weeks ago we were talking about um, Jonathan Duran and and um, I, I said that you know Thomas Tatar is um, he's he's uh, one of the top Canadians as far as plus minus. Um, he one of the things that impressed me is he led the team in terms of the percentage of the team's high danger scoring chances. Um, and I, his his work in the neutral zone and and um, the the Canadians game uh when they're when they're playing well and and they mentioned it they worked on it in in practice uh on Friday their their transition game and and um uh when they create their scoring chances from the transition game and and Thomas Tatar is is one of the guys who does that best um creating uh you know his his neutral zone work uh, keep an eye on him. Uh, that's, uh, he's been great around the net, good hands, all that kind of thing. But, but um, he's really fit into this 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 new kind of skating uh, system that the Canadians have had and, and generating uh, offense uh, um, off the transition. Um, really, really impressed with him uh, in his neutral zone work.
1: And he's just he's just a reliable, responsible player. That and I mean, you look at you know 57 points this season. Uh, my goodness, that kind of production on this Canadian team is is invaluable. So, uh, you know, a, a great year for Tomas Tatar, regardless if they make the playoffs or not, he has been huge. Um, so, with with that said, uh, another guy that's that's put up some points this season, but uh, might be at the opposite end of the spectrum, and you already kind of mentioned his name. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we I talked about Jonathan Drouin a few weeks back, and um, that was a pretty uh, stats-heavy case that I made. Uh, uh, you know, we talked about um, him being uh, you know at the bottom when it comes to his defensive play, which shouldn't surprise anyone uh, with respect to the Canadians, uh, but also that he's on the bottom uh, when it comes to when, what I just mentioned about Tatar creating high danger scoring chances. He's at the bottom of the list there too. Uh, And I know that, that people talk about, he's, he's uh, close to having career numbers, but (laughs) uh, beating your, yourself in a, you know, uh, kind of unremarkable career is, 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 I don't know. The expectations were, were so much higher. And, and um, so this week I'm, you know, I'm not going to talk about, uh, Jonathan Duran, um, necessarily his on ice play, but the other thing that I think plagues him and that is, is his off ice attitude. And, and, um, uh, uh, we, we saw that in evidence, uh, this week, um, where he spoke to the media. Um, and he, he, he kind of did this, uh, you know, this whole victim thing, this poor me, um, and said, um, uh, you know, if, if, if um, someone on the team turns it over six times in a, in a game, um, they're, they're not mentioned um, in the media or on social media, um, which when you think about it is kind of throwing uh, teammates under the bus. But uh, yeah. then he went on to say, but if I turn it over once, just because my name is Jonathan Duen, um, I get pounced on. And
3: uh,
2: that, frankly, that's just delusional. That's, that's, that's a, a complete lack of self-awareness. If anything, if anything, Jonathan Drouin has been protected uh, by yeah. the media, been protected by fans uh, who, you know, last year it was, oh, well, he's never played center before. You have to, okay, let's excuse that. It's always one excuse after the, after the other. Um, and the fact that he he's finally getting some scrutiny from the French media uh, now, the fact that he was finally getting booed uh, in the Bell Center now, after two years of the same kind of selfish play, uh, goes to show you that he's had an extremely long leash. He's all, He yeah. also hasn't really suffered until the last 10 games in terms of ice time. He was, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, that he was um one of the canadians most used forwards regardless of his play regardless of his slumps um and there was you know the, when he was asked uh, a while back about his um his uh, uh scoreless uh, his, his goalless streak and he said yeah but um you know um uh, i didn't expect to have a hundred point season typical straw man argument Um, And during this this uh, goalless streak, you know, I've been doing I've been contributing in so many other ways. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) By your defensive play? No. Um, How uh, physical play? Uh, No. Um, How else were you contributing? Exactly. Um, I I thought, again, complete lack of of self-awareness. Um, and again this week when he was asked you know what are you doing to to help yourself well he was he was going back and studying tape of his hundred point seasons in junior (laughs) hockey in the queue. well that's not going to help you the kind of i know that's the game you want to play um the the freewheeling and 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 you know when he when he makes one of those plays when he goes end-to-end, end, when he scores a highlight light real goal, everybody talks about, ah, his, his amazing skill. Um, <laughs> yeah, we see that once every 30 games. And unfortunately, that's not the NHL. That's not how you're successful no. in the NHL. I mean, if the NHL ever goes to three-on-three three for 60 minutes, I want Jonathan Drouin on my team. But until then... Um, and if, you know, if anybody's noticed, there's no three-on-three three in the
3: playoffs.
2: Um, nope. So uh, I, I thought that was an, another bizarre kind of comment. Yes, that's, that's the kind of game that he likes to play. Uh, that's the kind that he, he puts some effort into. Um, but as, as far as, as, as anything else, and, you know, there's after all of this attention, to jonathan duran uh particularly about his lack of, of engagement in the defensive zone um uh, there was all kinds of you know uh everybody was paying close attention to him and and uh a jonathan Druan back check was pointed out on twitter like a, a bigfoot sighting you know <laughs> convinced that they saw something that that oh my god it's he was back-checking, and, uh, but, but <laughs> um, it's not consistent. Uh, the, the, the one thing, you know, there's lots that's said about him, uh, about his, his inconsistency. Um, and now, he's quite consistent, actually. He's quite consistent in his, in his attitude. He's quite consistent in his, his uh, selfish play. He's quite consistent, um, you know, in, in not engaging Um, and I think that's the part that, that really discourages me the most. Um, again, this is not, I know his age keeps getting brought up, but he's been in the league five years and, um, you know, that's, that's enough time to see what kind of player we have. Um, just for fun, just for fun, just for fun. I went back, you know, the whole thing, um, that happened, uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning was not too long ago, actually. Um, Mm. And, and it was funny because when the trade was made and uh, the trade was made uh, and Iserman said, well, we've got some guys that I think can step in. And, and he mentioned Braden point and, and uh, uh, everybody laughed at him. Jonathan Braden point, Jonathan, come on, come on, Steve. (laughs) It's Jonathan Duran. And look at Braden point, look at Braden point. Uh, Jonathan Duran, number three overall in 2013, Braden point just a measly third round pick the 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 next year number 79 overall and and who's the better player now who do you want in your team Um, yeah but i went back and looked at at all of all of that uh that happened three years ago when jonathan duran walked away from uh from his teammates um and and it talked about his inability, uh, the the, beat, the Syracuse beat reporters talked about uh, Duran's inability to hold himself accountable, uh, that he was always putting himself above the team. Uh, he abandoned his teammates. Um, uh, they talked about his uh, sophomore slump, the reason he was sent to Syracuse. Um, he blamed everyone else for that. Um, they talked about him pouting, him brooding. um that he he refused to to take responsibility and at the time uh i thought it was interesting there was one article that said yeah it's pretty clear that jonathan duran's going to be traded and all of these teams are interested uh we see scouts here from the canadians from the jets from blah 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 and the the article ended buyer beware um they knew exactly what uh what kind of player that 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 they're going to get uh they talked about not being willing to make smart plays Not being willing to make the simple plays Not improving his defensive Awareness um, I, I, I think this, this Is kind of almost and, and the fact that he thought that he was special And, in, and entitled um, mm-hmm. I think there's Some things that got baked into the cake Here and uh, Claude Julien's trying to, to remove Them but uh, It's going to be tough it's going to be really Tough especially in Montreal
1: yeah. And, um, you know, the things that i wanted to point out of this, and I'll get to those very quickly. Um, Jonathan Drouin had a great junior, statistically had a great junior career, you know, 105 points, 108 points. He's got a lot of skill, but um, a lot of guys in the NHL have skill. And quite frankly, if Jonathan Drouin didn't have skill, he wouldn't be here because, as you pointed out, he doesn't really have anything else that you would like to see in a professional athlete. So he's got skill. He put up 105 and 108 points. Great. But in their best seasons in junior, Paul Byron put up 99 points for Gatineau. And Brendan Gallagher put up 91 points for Vancouver. So not quite 105 and 108, but really good numbers. Um, so you know what that means for them right now? You know how much relevance that has the Montreal Canadiens? Absolutely none all of the guys that make it to the NHL at one point or another have been one of, or the best player on their team. That's how they get, that's how they get here. They're the best players in the world. Jonathan Drouin not an exceptionality because he had a great junior career. So him going back and saying this, I feel like that's not getting enough attention because if Paul Byron or Brendan Gallagher were to come out and say, well, you know what? I've just had a really tough stretch here lately. I haven't put up any, any offensive numbers and my defense hasn't been that good either. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and look at numbers and look at films from 10 years ago or five years ago or whatever it is. And that's going to help me become a better NHL player. Like that is just ridiculous. And I, I feel like people are kind of, you know, that's the one that kind of slides under the radar. Cause he's talking about Montreal and how, if you weren't playing in Montreal, no one would really notice that he hasn't really, been uh, that good, and and he tried to stick handle around five guys, and the other team went back and scored. Um, so, you know, this this to me, I, it's it's classic Jonathan Drewen. We've grown accustomed to this type of attitude from Jonathan Drewen, and as you say, it might be just at this point, it's probably just a part of Jonathan Drewen that you're not going to be able to, to to coach out of him. I mean, he's he just turned twenty four. There's still time, but more or less at the age of 24, 25, you kind of are what you are when it comes to being a professional. You, you've kind of reached the point where you can, you can change, you can, you can grow a little bit, but you more or less are what you are. And Jonathan Drouin, I think, for a while now, has kind of been what he is and is going to continue to be for the rest of his career Uh, wherever, if it's in Montreal, it's in Montreal. But wherever it is, I feel like Jonathan Drouin is is pretty much who he is.
0: Um, Very well
2: said. Um, I'm going to run, and I'm going to give way to uh, our friends Chris and Blaine. I'll look forward to that discussion on on fighting. Uh, For the Montreal Canadiens, four games, Uh, we want to hear from you as far as if you still believe. Make sure to uh, reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or text us at 5853ROCKET. Uh, the carrots are not cooked, as they say in, <laughs> in Quebec, but they're a little past uh, al dente, I think. Um, yeah. Listen, I'm off to uh, Frozen Four stuff, and and have a good rest of the podcast, and uh, I'll catch everybody on Twitter and, and back on this show next week. Uh, have a good okay. show, Joe, um, and uh, and uh, we'll see you next week.
1: It's great having you. Enjoy the games. And we got... Two guys coming in. They're going to give their opinions on uh, on fighting and hockey. We've got Chris and we got Blaine. They're two great guys. They're going to be joining us for the second segment. And Chris is going to be sticking around for the rest of the show. So thank you. But we've got some uh, we've got some great guys coming in. So you're not going to be, uh, you know, you're not going to be hung up to dry here. we got some great guys coming. So just stick around. We will be back. We're going to be talking about fighting and hockey, the code, all of that stuff. So stick around. We'll be back after this.
0: We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, Visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, Drink and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at AllHabs.net the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around, allhabs.net.
1: And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. As he mentioned, Rick is going to cover the NCAA tournament. So, we've got some great guys here with us to fill up the time. We got some, uh, some opinions to be had for sure. Some, some, uh, hot, dis- uh, hot discussion points for where uh, that's to be sure with, uh, the f- the code and, and fighting in hockey. So without, without any further ado, Chris Blaine, thank you both for joining us. Uh, you know, we, we, we wanted to talk about this today because obviously with the Paul Byron situation and Mackenzie Weger, this was the topic of discussion. Um, so, so Blaine, just beginning with you, um, because I know on the latest episode of Habs Unfiltered, you and Matt Smith, uh, you guys discussed this at length. Uh, and really, just it, if, if people haven't checked that episode out yet, and if they haven't, I don't know what they're doing. But if they haven't, what were your thoughts on, uh, on that incident and, and, and really the code in hockey in general?
3: Well, first of all, Joe, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here with you and with Chris. Um, Be on on the same show is a a big honor for me because I'm just a plug. So (laughs) glad to be here. (laughs) But, uh, no, yeah, we did cover a little bit of this uh, on Habs Unfiltered this week. And we didn't really go into the code too much as we went into the repercussions. But um, I grew up playing hockey, just like most people. Um, and I grew up <laughs> idolizing fighters, you know, guys like Chris Nyland and, and, that type, uh, and my hope was one day to become an NHL enforcer. Eh, I failed mm-hmm. and I joined the military <laughs> instead. So the code is basically the same, uh, on the ice as it would be in the military. It, it's, it's kind of a universal thing. It's an unwritten kind of understood thing, uh, yeah. it, It's supposed to be something where a player will take his lumps for something that he did on the ice that wasn't called. That's basically what it is. Someone who crossed a line and went out of his way to hurt someone. Now, in this case, Byron did cross a line, and he hurt Mackenzie Weger. Now, I've known Mackenzie for several years. He's uh, he's a former Halifax Moosehead, and he's a good kid. Uh, He follows the code. Uh, yeah very well he's a you know tough guy. he's a tough guy, and for someone his size he's you know he he puts in the work but in this case, Byron was suspended he faced the punishment for what he did. The fight um I don't know how, it it kind of falls into the code because it's it's a player uh showing the other that he didn't appreciate what happened despite despite the apologies and and the fact that Byron's not that kind of guy. And it's unfortunate that Byron got hurt from it. Now it doesn't make a hundred percent sense, but I feel that this has a lot more to do with the lack of NHL enforcers in the NHL, uh, in the league now not passing that code on. It's like, it's a, a corporate knowledge has been lost.
1: Yeah, I can, you know, I can see that. And that's the part of it where I think, you know, who are the guys that are enforcing this code now? It's, you know, you, you had guys for years that would play five to 10 minutes and just go out there and enforce this code that the, you know, guys had to pay the toll if they did something. And now who are those guys? Because you're, you're seeing, you're not really seeing many of them in the NHL. A lot of them, you know, are not, you know, that, that enforcer, you know, goon type player has, has more or less gone extinct. And, and I mean, nothing, no disrespect to those guys. They did their job and they did it and, and, and they sacrificed for their team. But, you know, who are the guys now that are stepping up and doing this? It's a lot of two-way forwards, a lot of guys that have that kind of sandpaper element. We saw Brendan Gallagher get into a scrap just not too long ago. And, you know, Brendan Gallagher's history with hand injuries, I was more <laughs> worried about hand than head. But, you know, like these are the guys that are stepping in and, and, and you know, uh, and answering that call. And, and with Byron, as you say, the, uh, the history between him and Weger, that led to that. Um, Chris, what were your thoughts on it?
4: Well, the code, whether or not we like it, it's 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 there. It's part of the hockey culture uh, when it comes to fights and even payback uh, fights. Uh, personally, I don't think that any kind of fighting should be part of the game uh, in today's hockey culture, especially since uh, what we know about head injuries and concussions. Uh, yeah. Fighting was part of hockey in the 80s, in the 90s, in the early 2000s. And it has decreased since uh, since twenty and thirty years ago, but I think it, like it needs to move on to a point where it gets phased out uh, completely. Uh, when it comes to Paul Byron and uh, and defending, I guess I could say his uh, or taking ownership for the hit that he did when he got suspended, uh, I don't agree with it, but with what. Uh, with what we've heard from former NHL players uh, who are commenting on it, he he I think he had to do it based on yeah. that. Like, I think if he didn't, in today's hockey culture, I think he'd probably lose some respect from uh, from opponents and maybe even a little bit from his own dressing room. So I think in that, in that sense, he he had to uh, drop the gloves. Yeah, and, and that
1: yeah, I do too. Um, I think this is the part of it for for me, personally. It's it's I've saw people going after Mackenzie Weger and as Blaine said, you know he's just a guy that's that respects the code. And 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 Byron, he put up his end of the bargain as well, and he said, you know what, I did I did do that. I did lay you out, so we're gonna settle this right here, right now. I, you know, I saw people going at at it from both ends and me, I personally, I'd forgotten about the, I knew Mackenzie Weger had some sort of uh, there was some play that he was involved in with Montreal, but I couldn't remember what it was. But then when, when Rick reminded me that there was this history, I, you know, initially I was asking why, why is Byron doing this? Like what's going on here? And I remembered that what had happened between these two and this is the part of it to me. It's, it's not necessarily that the question should not be why did Byron do it? Why would we go after a smaller guy? All, all of that stuff. Why is this game? Why is this culture that surrounds the game encouraging and expecting to happen? This street justice to happen. And it's not just exclusive to hockey. It happens in baseball with bean balls. And that'll escalate to, you know, the point where everyone's thrown at everyone and there's no players left to play. So, you know, and, and Blaine, you made that point on the podcast is like, where is this going to escalate? Who's going to fight buyer or who's going to fight Uyghur now? You know, like, where does this go? And, you know, I guess this kind of plays into a larger question of does fighting have this place in hockey anymore? And, and Blaine, what, what are your thoughts on fighting in general in hockey?
3: Now I'm, a little bit of a traditionalist when it comes to that kind of stuff. I love the new uh, path the NHL is taking with the speed and the skill, uh, you know, going away from just big bruisers and and providing a show. But yeah. I still feel that there is a place for fighting in hockey. I know it's not a popular opinion because a lot of people want all speed and skill and no more fighting. But I, yeah. I see it as it's been it's it, it's evolved a little bit. It's no longer lumbering guys that you know that you saw back in the '80s that could barely skate and would only play just for that one shift to fight. These are guys that, even in the '90s, there were guys like Joey Kosher and uh, you know Bob Probert, perfect examples. There, uh, Chris Nyland, another one, guys who can play hockey and yeah. fight. And we we're, we're seeing it evolve a little bit more to where we see guys like Shaw and Domi, who are, mm-hmm. who are talented in their, in their own right. Like, Domi, he's going to be a 70-point center. He can fight. He can defend himself. Shaw's another guy yeah. who's putting up points and, and fighting. It's that kind of player that's going to become the new, quote-unquote, enforcer in the NHL. But fighting itself, uh, the code, it's not going to be these drop-the-gloves-at-face-off thing. It's stuff that happens organically through the game where you're fighting for a puck and you just, you know, tempers flare, the fight happens, and it's done. That's the kind yeah. of fighting that I see staying in the game. Not this, the, the, the revenge fights, uh, I'm not a fan of. I understand it completely. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would, the, the type of fighting I would prefer to see stay in the game is that the organic fights where they just come out of, of a battle. That's my opinion yeah. on that.
4: Uh, I'll, I'll just say that I think uh, the fighting should be uh, should be phased out of the game, and I don't think that uh, the NHL could come out, let's say during the off season, and say, you know what, as of next season, there's no fighting, because cause that won't work. Because then I think you can get into all of all kind of other issues, people taking uh, some cheap shots, some uh, dirty stick play. But I think if they want to actually phase uh, hockey out, they need to do a similar approach to what they did uh, with with visors, and where they started making it mandatory in uh, yeah. let's say in junior hockey, and then slowly, slowly, it just graduated up to the NHL, where now everybody has to wear uh, the, the helmet and and uh, the visor. So I think something similar needs to be done for uh, for fighting if that's the approach they, they want to take. Started in junior hockey, and then slowly, slowly, in in the next couple of years. Uh, bring it all the way up to the NHL, and that's how they'll, they'll get rid of it. Because I think it definitely has. Uh, I don't think it's part of the game. Like a fight. Let's choose any fight. But if we just stick to that Uyghur Byron fight, if uh, if I if I cross Blaine on my path, and well, odds are he'd probably punch me like that, and, and I get concussed. <laughs> <test. laughs> you know. You know they they lock Blaine up. You know they 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 lock him up and. Uh, in jail, you'd have all sorts of kind of uh, problems with the legal system. So, how can uh, between like the boards, how can that be accepted? With what we know, also with uh, head injuries, there's yeah. no way that uh, I think fighting should be part of the game. But just to go back to an to an earlier point, if you guys don't mind, uh, when we're talking about if this will escalate again, so I think now at, at this time. This uyghur Byron thing is over. Like uh, what happened in the yeah. last game sealed the deal. But one thing that uh, I haven't really seen being spoken about, in 'cause because a lot of people were talking about like there was this 40 or 50 pound uh, difference between the, the the two players. But one thing that uh, that I did see is in Florida's game right before against the Canadians on a Saturday. Uh, Weger got into a fight with Noel Akiary of the Boston Bruins, who's a fourth line center, and Weger clearly lost the fight. Out of a yeah Uyghur got a punch in. Because he literally like uh it was a complete opposite. He he clearly lost that fight. So I'm wondering, did he take the opportunity to fight against a small a smaller Byron so he could feel better and maybe for his latest fight in hockey com to look better than the one against, uh, of carrier the Bruins.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it's an interesting question. And, uh, and the thing that, you know, when watching that game, um, you know, I, I think you, you might be right in suggesting that, that weger saw it and, and it might've been a bit of a, he might've been an opportunist about it in the way that, you know, Paul Byron, smaller guy, <laughs> not known for, you know, his fighting ability, but, uh, but but Dan Robertson of TSN uh, TSN he tweeted out quotes from Weger. Uh, clearly I mean you know and you could see it in when he was in the penalty box he, he buried his head in his hands he was not uh, you know that's that's the last thing that you want to see happen to anybody and um, but but certainly a, a valid question I mean because you know that that is there's a significant difference between you know Mackenzie Weger and, and Paul Byron. Uh, Maybe neither of them known for fighting, but, uh, you know, Paul Byron, just a a tad bit smaller. Um, So with all of this in consideration, uh, Kate Rager, you know, she wrote an article for allhabs.net not too long ago about where does fighting, where's the, you know, where's its place in the game of hockey. And you think of Connor Crisp, who, if you remember the uh, CBC uh, little video that they did that clip that's what I think of now when I see a fight and it just makes it a little bit harder to stomach Oh, just a little bit harder to watch. And, and Chris, you mentioned with all that we know about CTE, going and watching that clip and, and reading the article, the opinion piece that, that Kate wrote for allhabs.net, you know, she, she says in it, as I go, she says a lot of things. It's worth a read if you, if you'd like to, uh, to go back and, and read that. But um, one of the things that she says is that, it may just make it look more like how games are played in Europe or how they play hockey during the Olympics. And I think that that is, you know, maybe the point where this game should strive to kind of get to because, you know, I appreciate that Max Domi likes to fight. I really do. But I don't really want to see him fight because, you know, it might take away, you know, it might, uh, you know, take away from his potential career longevity you know it it might you know he's got domi blood in him he's gonna be you know he's probably gonna be fine but uh you know like that's the kind of thing that i think about so any any closing thoughts on you know maybe with with respect to cte and even connor crisp like is that play a factor and and blaine i know you also mentioned just a small amount of of concussions that do come from fighting uh in comparison to in live action play so Maybe with all of those things in consideration, do you have any any final thoughts on, on where fighting kind of fits into this game? Would you like to see maybe a little bit more of a, of a, an Olympic style game, or would you just rather it be the way that it is?
3: Myself personally, I I do not want it to see uh, want the game going towards the European style. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> The game itself, it's very fast. It's very exciting, entertaining. Uh, The fights are on the downward slide. There's less and less. Um, As I mentioned before, I don't mind seeing them, but we're not seeing very many. Um, And the reason why I believe they remain is because the officiating in the NHL is not perfect. They will miss things. And that's Mm -hmm. where players feel that they need to step up and police themselves a little bit. It's kind of like that playground rules kind of thing. Now, yeah. I, I understand uh, on the outside, if this were to happen in the street, it's a crime. But there's implied <laughs> consent on the ice. You go on the ice, and you you're by playing, you're you're consenting to all the rules and regulations, written or unwritten. So it's it's completely fine there. And as for the head injuries, seeing Connor Chris go uh, retire at such an early age. That hurt, it hurts to see because I, I, I liked yeah. watching him play when he was younger. He's a good young man. He deserves he deserves a full healthy life doing what he wants to do. Sadly, that didn't turn out well for him because of this because of the injuries. And yeah. I spoke to some neurosurgeons as my wife works in that that industry, and I asked them what kind of what would what would minimize concussions more in hockey. Now all these neurosurgeons are Canadian. They watch hockey. And they were pretty much this was just, you know, a conversation over beers. It's not a, a medical study. It's yeah. just <laughs> you know, a handful of people shooting the breeze. But they they were they were pretty adamant that it's not the fighting. It's it's the the regular plays in hockey, the hits, yeah. uh, running into th- it's the speed at which they play the game and the only way to mitigate that would be to either remove hitting altogether or make the yeah. ice super huge there's no, and even then you're not you're not getting rid of concussions yeah so we can mitigate it a bit uh, educate people on this but there's to make it uh, to to, uh, to get rid of concussions altogether, we would be watching a sport that we're not—we uh, wouldn't recognize anymore. Sport as it is, I think is—it's—it's is, it's exciting, it's entertaining, and it's morphing into less fighting. And I believe that fighting will go away someday, but it's going to take a little bit of time. And yeah, I, that's just how I feel about it and what I see.
1: Yeah, and Chris, what about you? <laughs>
4: uh, personally, I, I think if uh, like fighting should i uh, need to to get uh to go away and fighting could stay in the game like that's that's not the end of the rule like i'm not going to stop watching hockey because there's fights and yes there's, an, if there's a good fight i'll be the one i'll be probably cheering for that fight but also at the end of the day after like i, I if if there's fighting and there's headshots At the same time, I don't want players complaining in a year or two from now, saying that the league didn't do anything about it. So these are players, uh, like Blaine said, they're they're consenting players that apply with these rules. If you're punching each other in the head or you're giving each other headshots on the ice to, uh, I guess, to your peers, uh, after don't uh, put up lawsuits and say, you know what, the league didn't do anything to protect us. Now... Okay, twenty, thirty years ago, yes, I agree that that knowledge wasn't there, so th- so that's a different story for back then, but now we we do have the knowledge. We know what the risks are. We know what the dangers are. So they uh, could keep fighting if you keep giving each other headshots, but in five years, don't come asking for a, for a lawsuit because the league didn't protect you. And maybe one last point uh, about the code. Here's a quote. That was actually given exactly two years ago, March 30th, 2017. I'll tell you who gave the quote uh, at the end of it. I think he's what's wrong with the league these days. I think there's no accountability anymore. You can, you can run around and take headshots out of captain and just turtle and the refs save your life. That's my honest opinion of that guy. I don't have any respect for him. I think he's a pretty good defenseman, but I don't like the way he plays. I don't mind playing hard, but I've seen him with a lot of cheap hits in the last ten years. I don't mind battling, but I've seen him headhunt a lot of guys and never, ever answer for it. And that was Sean Thornton two years ago tonight, speaking about Alexi Emelin. Mm. So earlier, when when we we're talking about did Paul Byron have to drop the gloves? I think that's a perfect response. Why I think in in today's culture of hockey, they had to.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? This is a certainly a topic that we've thrown out there to, you know, we've we've thrown it out to some other team members. So we're going to get their responses and their thoughts on, on, on fighting in hockey just a little bit later on the show. But fellas, Flayne, I would like to thank you guys both for, for joining us uh, in this second segment to talk about something that really deserves some attention and providing some differing uh, viewpoints. So, uh, Blaine, thank you for joining us. And do uh, you got anything to say about the uh, Habs Unfiltered podcast coming up? I know you just dropped the uh, the recent episode, but any uh, any thoughts on what's going to be coming up next?
3: Well, uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to be having uh, Sam, who does our pregame uh, pregame write-up ah. for all Habs. He's going to come on for for our uh, Under the Rockets Glare segment, and we're also going to have uh, an old high school friend of mine. Uh, Natalie Champagne, who is a member of Team Canada's Warrior Games, she's going to come on the show and explain a little bit of the Warrior Games, and uh, we're going to display our uh, our support our uh, support our troops side of our show.
1: Ah, right, you guys, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great show. That sounds like it's going to be great. And uh, and as I mentioned, the the last episode with uh, you guys talking about Druanne uh, in the first part, and also discussing a little bit of the Paul Byron, that's that's a must listen as well. So uh, we'd like to thank you for for joining us for uh, today's uh, second segment and uh, and providing some insight into uh, you know how how a plumber how a little uh, how a plug sees things as you said those are your words <laughs> not mine but uh, you know that's uh, you know Rick that, told that me those I had to clean words. up my language <laughs> I, I had other words but I had to clean it up for Rick. That's that's the weekly struggle for me, so don't even worry about it. <laughs> so uh but thank you again for joining us and uh and coming up just after the break, we're going to dive into some thoughts from around the Rocket Sports team about fighting in hockey. And we've also got a text we if you remember last week to our to our listeners. Dino texted in and gave his thoughts on the Montreal Canadiens playoff chances. Well, Dino's coming back and he's got some more thoughts. So those are coming just after the break. Thank you once again, Blaine and Chris, and uh, we'll talk to you after a quick break.
0: The Canadian's Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans.
1: So we were discussing the code and fighting in hockey, and you know we, we threw it out you know through uh, to all of our Rocket Sports team members. We got some responses, and uh, one of those comes from Amy Johnson, the HR report lead correspondent. I've been a, a Flyers fan all my life, so yes, that means I'm indoctrinated with the Broad Street bully style of play, and that's how I like it. Let hockey be physical, gritty, no pun intended emotional, adrenaline fueled, and yes, feisty. I fully agree that players who intentionally seek to injure other players should be handed heavy discipline for their actions. But aside from that, if guys want to drop the gloves, if guys want to play with an edge, if guys want to spark their bench, stick up for their teammates, then let them. Don't let me wrong. don't get me wrong. I don't want to see guys concussed, sucker punched, outweight class, or careers shortened, but I think we need to stop trying to put athletes into a rigid box. Sports are physical it spills over sometimes. And every guy who takes the ice knows that. So, uh, very much kind of in the same as uh, with, with what Blaine said, you know, you step onto the ice, you kind mm-hmm. of know what, what, what's going to happen. You, you, or you're not what's going to happen, but you, there's consent that's being, you know, given at that point. And, uh, you know, uh, that, that, you know, I think that that's a, a perfectly valid, uh, you know, covering the AHL, I think we'll, uh, and you might be able to attest to this this year, you know, kind of desensitized a little bit the uh, of, of fighting. At least, I don't know how it's been this year relative to other years, but last season when I covered Belleville, it was every other game. There was just two or three fights. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: No, the Rockets haven't had that many fights uh, this year. I don't think they really have like, the bodies either that, that would drop yeah. the on that, on that yeah. roster. Yeah.
1: They're a little bit of a, uh, yeah, Belleville was in a bit of a different position last year, we'll say. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so that, was, that was Amy Johnson. We like to, you know, obviously thank everyone who, uh, who uh, chimed in with their opinion. We have Gibby, who uh, joined us a couple of weeks ago discussing the trade deadline. For me, it's more so of a transition of the game from the bump and grinding NHL to the speed. I think fighting should be wiped out of the game. Back in the day, we had no science behind concussions and the repercussions it entailed. Uh, we now have that research behind it. If we are, uh, you know, a speed game and made that transition, why is it such a hard thing to abolish fighting? It was always a fan, uh, you know, he was always a fan of the fighting, but seeing incidents like Byron's amongst many others, uh, other incidents like it, uh, it's, uh, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, it it kind of takes away from, you know, uh, the, the, the lore of fighting in, in, uh, in games and, in, uh, in, in NHL hockey. So, so that was Gibby, and, and he's kind of in the same, uh, same boat as you. And, and then we had Rick, who, uh, who chimed in. And uh, because he's not here, I feel it necessary to give, uh, give his thoughts on this. <laughs> uh, I'm confident that we will one day see fighting out in lot of the NHL, but presently we are not anywhere close to that happening. There is very little appetite among players and hockey brass to completely remove fighting from the game. And to be fair, fighting contributes only a tiny fraction to head injuries in the NHL. That said, if serious about reducing concussions in the NHL, the league should get serious about supplementary discipline. At present, suspensions are seen for some as the cost of doing business, and that was you know, very much uh, with, with Paul Byron's suspension for accidentally hitting Mackenzie Wieger in the head. Um, so yeah, those are some of the thoughts that were floated out in, uh, amongst our, uh, uh, our team Uh, rocket sports media some really great opinions that we appreciated anybody you know uh, rick gibby and uh, and amy who all uh, contributed and and of course as i mentioned you have kate racher who wrote an entire article on this so go back and read that that's very much worth your time um so yeah with all of that said um we also had a text uh, and and as rick all often points out if you want to text us because we are a live show but if you're listening on demand And you want to reach us through any point out, you know, any uh, point throughout the week, we rock it. And uh, we have a text from Dino, who texted last week as well. Uh, This one is a little bit different than last week. Last last week he was talking about playoff chances and whatnot, but uh, this one here. Uh, Hi, folks. Hope things are well. Quick little thought. Why is there still fighting in hockey? Is this not a headshot? Is this not a clear act of volition to deliver a headshot to another player? Violence with intent to injure has no place in anyone's world, especially not in sport. Feel bad for Paul. Feel bad for all the others who have gone through the same past or present. And for the ones to, to come still, excuse me, uh, we really must be a sick society slash hockey subculture to continue advocating for this brutality. I played soccer growing up in my childhood and beyond. I even looked at the referee the wrong way and I was booked. That's how much respect we had for each other. Respect, sportsmen. Sports womanship and zero tolerance for violence was the code. Anyhow, hope the kid will be okay. Hope the team sneak into the playoffs. Take good care. Bye for now. P.S. Wasn't this McKenzie guy a whole lot bigger than our little Paul Byron? Where is the code there? And, uh, yes, that okay. comes from uh, from Dino. And uh, we very much appreciate him uh, texting into the show again. And, and as you say, I mean, uh, you pointed out uh, throughout your, uh, you know, your uh, in the uh, last segment that you believe that, you know, this was something that uh, it, it you know, it is kind of the same thing where you have Mackenzie Weger, who's a bigger guy going after Paul Byron. And is there not a code that should be there about that? I mean, that's, I think that's a valid question posed by Dino.
4: Well, for, uh, for sure it is, but it's, I just think it was Weger trying to deliver a message to, to yeah. Byron and the rest of the league. And unfortunately, like, the, uh, Biden had to suffer the consequences.
1: Yeah. So with, uh, with all that said, that seemed, that's, a, that's a lot to be talking about. Uh, it's a, a topic that, uh, that, you know, is unfortunately uh, with, with links to CTE, is, it's a little bit negative. So we'll, we'll try to shift gears a little bit if we can and uh, go to the question of the week. And, and we threw it out on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, so the question of the week this week Brendan Gallagher says, we've never lost belief. Regarding playoffs, do you still believe? And uh, we've gotten some responses on Twitter. And, uh, and and you know, it seems as though there are a fair few that, that still do believe. But uh, it's starting to dim just a little bit. <laughs> but uh, we have Blackhead Yen, who is uh, consistent. Uh, he re- They reply all the time to uh, the question of the week. Um, he says, they have a ticket for Tampa. They know it, and they want it. So still a, a very confident uh, uh He continues, of course, it's a group of guys that build something, and they know it. They respect themselves, and by that, they know they already hear a non-playoffs team fighting for a spot. From now on, they have nothing to lose, which is a, a very good point. They have nothing left to lose at this point, but uh, a very tall order in their last four games. Uh, you have Suzanne Gagnon, who says, I believe... No matter what happens, this has been a great season. You've all worked so hard. Congratulations to the Haves. So, still that very positive attitude. Uh, Mike Mike Schroeder, at Mike Schroeder88. Simply nope. <laughs> so uh, you know that's at the opposite uh, opposite end. And and of course uh, you chimed in as well. So I'll just uh, quickly read your response here as well. And and there's some that replied to your, uh, your answer, which was the Habs no longer control their destiny. So it will be tough for them to make it. And uh, to that, we had Dale who replied with, they won't make the playoffs. I'm okay with it. Perform much better than I expected. You have uh, uh, Franco here saying NHL's got this one. Uh, Philly up 1-0 on Canes. Phantom call on Philly 2-1 Canes. So I guess uh, as that's happening. He's kind of looking at this uh, in the in the light that the NHL wants to have in the playoffs. So that's an interesting one. And uh, Ray Ayat, who says, they are done. Uh, <laughs> so a little bit, you know, you've got some positivity, but uh, I think people are starting to, uh, to just kind of lose a little bit of that hope that existed uh, last week. Uh, what, what's Facebook saying? Uh, Facebook is uh,
4: surprisingly kind of uh, mixed half-half. Uh, oh. we could start off with uh Helene Martin who writes uh, I believe in my habs till the very end. If they don't make it then my hockey season is finished we wouldn't think of cheering for another Canadian team and much less of an American team. <laughs> uh Keith Keith McDowell writes, Carolina loses today, we win, back in it which is I guess what she's right, but the bad yeah. news is that right now as we're as we're uh Podcasting right now, Carolina's eating Philadelphia 2-1 with uh, three minutes left in the first period. Uh, we have uh, Michael uh, David, who writes, they are done. Julian sucks. Should have never separated Domi and Drew So that's uh, his comment. Uh, then we have Matt Jean, who writes, they'll be golfing soon. Uh, Sean Ryan, no chance if they play like they did against uh, Columbus. And there's a lot more. So you can go join in the conversation on the Yohab's Facebook page. And, well, like you read, my, my Canadians would have beat the Columbus Blue Jackets on a Thursday night. The playoff spot was under their control. But now yeah. with that lost. They, they need help from other teams. And once you need help from other teams, it doesn't uh, doesn't look good.
1: I I agree with that. That is. I mean, and especially I mean, you know, you lose to Carolina as well. You muster one point out of those four. And now you've really left it up to other teams to to help you out. And I mean, you know, teams often say that that's what you want to be able to control your own destiny. And, and the Canadians had that chance and and unfortunately they let it slip. And uh, as you pointed out a comment on Facebook, I realized that I read Franco's post wrong. So yes, now Philadelphia's uh or uh the Canes are up 2-1 over Philadelphia after a phantom call. So or or so so he says, not not my words. I'm not watching the game, but uh, <laughs> but yes. So uh yeah, that's that's what's happening. It's not that they uh that the NHL wants Montreal in the playoffs, it's uh, according to him the other way around. So with uh, with all that said, <laughs> a very long-winded edition of uh of the question of the week. Um so, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, we've, we've, we've talked a lot today about fighting and, and the playoff chances for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, if they got any fight left in them, it's got to start tonight, and that is against the Winnipeg Jets, a uh, tall order their last four games of this season. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, you looking forward to the game tonight, Chris?
4: Uh, I am, and the Canadians need to watch out because the Winnipeg Jets uh, had a lead in the last game and they blew it. So, so the Jets, I think, will also be hungry to uh, uh, to revenge the game that they played Thursday night against the New York Islanders, where they blew the lead, and also mm. that game on in February seventh at the Bell Center, yeah. where the Canadians <laughs> beat the Jets, and everybody at that time uh, were were ecstatic. We were planning the parade. Uh, some people yeah. wrote in their post that it was a statement win. But uh, boy, things have changed there. And ironically, we've been talking about fighting. The Canadians are fighting for the playoff spot. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be it for the Montreal Canadiens. The uh, last four games of the season, they, they, claim a, they claimed a 5-2 win over the Jets, as you said, in the Bell Centre. Now they got to go to MTS center in Winnipeg and do the same thing or try to do uh, the same thing. It, uh, it won't be easy, but, uh, it never is easy to make the playoffs. So, uh, the Montreal Canadiens that battle will start tonight after a, a tough, a tough loss against Columbus. Um, so with all of that said, we hope that you enjoy the game tonight. We'd like to thank you for joining the show. Uh, Chris, obviously, thank you for stepping in while, uh, while Rick is off doing hockey things and whatnot. So, uh, thank you for joining us uh, once again and uh, contributing. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, uh, where can I find you on the Twitter machine? <laughs> uh,
4: the Twitter account is ChrisHabs360, and well, on Monday will be the next edition of uh, Take 5, where I'm uh, pretty sure uh, Paul Byron, The Fighting, uh, will have more details on that. And yeah. we'll take a look at the Canadians' pre-off situation, what it looks like uh, after uh, tonight's results.
1: Yeah, and, and the Take 5 article has been uh, one of the, the one of my favorite reads all season, uh, just getting your thoughts on that and, and also your coverage of the Laval Rockets. So look forward to reading that uh, when that drops. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at JoeAlan19. You can follow Rick at All Habs. And uh, And as Rick mentioned, he's going to be covering – the uh the uh, ncaa uh in uh with uh rocket sports is going to be there with uh with and and with the ahl report so you can follow at the ahl report they're going to be giving you updates on that and uh and yeah you can follow rick at all has for tonight's game he's going to be live tweeting as he said he'll make it back in time to uh to watch the uh, habs game and the all-important game against the winnipeg Jets. and uh yeah so you can follow me after way 19 i might have already said that and uh yeah, at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And uh, this podcast, I mean, if you want to subscribe to uh, Rocket Sports Radio, you'll get this podcast along with Habs Unfiltered with Blaine, who joined us earlier in the show. You got Have a Listen with Lewis Louis and Gibby, and then you have From the Press Box as well. So we've got a, a full family of podcasts here. Just got to search for Rocket Sports Radio and subscribe, and that could be done on iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, So uh, thanks again for joining us, Chris. And uh, we'd like to thank Blaine also for joining us for that second segment. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll watch the game tonight, see how that all unfolds for the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, we'll be right back with you next week at 1 PM Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time. So enjoy the game tonight. And once again, thank you to Chris and Blaine for stepping in. Uh, We'll see you next week.
0: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens. Follow us on Twitter at HAVSConnections and visit allhaves.net.